Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Bible class here uh, after a uh, two-week break. Um, I had intended to try and do a Bible class from home and um, didn't do that, so I apologize for that. Um, it just uh, hit hit uh, hit me a little bit, but uh, I am I am back in full swing. Pastor Grady and I are both doing well. Uh, back to work, out of quarantine, uh, feeling much, much better. Uh, Phil Lehman is doing well. Um, both of our families are uh, doing well. Um, and uh, so thanks be to God for that. We've had a handful of other people from the congregation that either have recently tested positive um, uh, or over the course of the last couple of weeks. And, and so far, everybody has uh, recovered or in the process of recovering with slight symptoms. So uh, for those of you that are still quarantining at home, uh, we miss you, we understand, we love you, and uh, look forward to uh, uh, the uh, continued rollout of the vaccine. We've had uh, some people now that have already gotten it, uh, some of our older members and healthcare workers, and some that will be getting it in the next week or two. So uh, thanks be to God uh, for those things that he provides. Um, it's too early still to talk about what's going to happen with Easter in the spring. We're just going to take a week at a time. But we are back open here on Sunday mornings, uh, same protocols in place that we had before, uh, which have served us well. Um, and um, our school continues to uh, be in person and in session, uh, preschool and kindergarten, and that's gone very well for the kids and the families, uh, no issues there. So um, kind of a crazy week this week, um, especially with uh, inauguration and all these things coming up. Uh, you might have some fear, worry, and trepidation and I think our study from Daniel today is going to be very helpful to remind us that the Lord is yet not only in charge of all things, but has a plan in place to preserve his people. So if you're at the point of ruin and despair, um, please hear the word of the Lord and, uh, and receive uh, the hope and comfort that uh, he provides as well. Okay. Um, so this next week we are back to Wednesday uh, morning Bible class, as well as Wednesday evening uh, prayer service, uh, catechism classes, and adult Bible study will reconvene now this next week on Wednesday. Um, and anything else, Pastor Grady, that I'm missing? Okay. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, don't forget, uh, we're, we're still continuing to offer a private, very safe uh, opportunity to come in and receive absolution of the sacrament. Um, and, uh, I mean, even though we as pastors have antibodies now, we'll, we'll continue to, to do as we've done, wear a mask. And uh, we've been, my goodness, standing 10, 12 feet away for those anyway. Um, so please find a time. If you're, if you're unable to come on Sunday morning, schedule a time with us either online or call us. Um, you need the Lord's body and blood. It is there to strengthen you, uh, body and soul. And uh, um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so... Uh, we love and miss so many of you and looking forward to the time that we can get back. I'm not going to use the word normal, but I just did, so, okay? Let's pray, shall we? The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, we're on Daniel chapter 10. Um, chapter 9, which we, we covered at the, the last uh, Bible class, chapter 9 almost appears to be the climax of the book of Daniel, but, but it's really not. Uh, so after 9, we've still got three chapters that are left. 
Now, what's going on here at this time in the book of Daniel? Uh, these are the, the latter days uh, here of Daniel himself. Keep in mind that he was taken away to Babylon when he was probably um, a young man, 16, 17, 18, 19, we think, somewhere around there. Uh, right around 605 uh, B.C., uh, he would have been taken off, uh, taken out to Babylon. And where we pick up in chapter 10 now, this is Cyrus's third year of his reign, which puts it about 536 B.C., which means that Daniel has now served for, you can do the math, <laughs> over 60 years um, in some way, shape, or form, and has served now different kings, uh, different dynasties. Um, this time here of chapter 10, Cyrus, keep in mind, who was a pagan king, not a believer, God used Cyrus in an amazing way. Cyrus actually allowed uh, the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. Cyrus also helped pay uh, for the rebuilding of the temple. So at the time here that we pick up in chapter 10, we're two years into the return of most of the exiles back to Jerusalem, okay? Um, we know that the, the temple uh, has started the rebuilding and the reconstruction. For some reason, it's, it's, on, it's on a little bit of a break or a pause right now. Uh, we don't know some of the history uh, behind that. Um, but Daniel, for whatever reason, is still back in Babylon. We're not sure why he didn't return two years prior. Um, it could be that his service to Cyrus and to the court was needed. And, and that's, to be fair, we're... <laughs> where Daniel pretty much lived his whole life. So maybe he just liked it <laughs> there in Babylon. And as an old man thought, I'm not going to try and make a move. Uh, you know, and it could be that Daniel, because he was older, just his health maybe wasn't good. And trying to make that move and that trip, Scripture just doesn't uh, give us those details. So let's pick up here on Daniel chapter 10. <clears throat> and uh, let me just read through the whole chapter if you want to follow along. And then we're going we're gonna to go through and break some of this down because this is just a marvelous vision that Daniel is given. All of this now is vision of the last days. So chapter 10, verse 1. <clears throat> In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it, had, it was a great conflict. And he understood, understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz was around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. As I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. 
Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these, except Michael, your prince. Okay, lots going on here in chapter 10. So I don't know if we're going to get through all of this today, uh, but we're going we're gonna to take a stab at it, okay? So as I mentioned, Daniel here is standing on the banks of the river and has now this vision. This happens around 536 B.C., two years after the first exiles have returned now to Jerusalem. Uh, don't know why Daniel is left there, but he is. Uh, Daniel is worried. He is fearful. Um, could be a number of things, uh, what's going on, okay? Uh, let's go to Ezra chapter 4, 4 to 5, because we actually hear a little bit about what's going on in Jerusalem at the same time uh, as uh, Daniel chapter 10. So in Ezra 4, uh, 4 to 5, we read, uh, <clears throat> just go back up to the top real quick, let me, sorry, go back to verse 1, so we set the stage, Okay. So now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you for we worship your God as you do and we've been sacrificing to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and the rest of the heads of father's house in Israel said to them, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Okay, So same time frame, just so you know, connection. And here in verse 4, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of, of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So Daniel might be troubled because of what's going on back in Jerusalem. The political climate is not good. Can you relate to that? <laughs> okay. Uh, the, 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 the people that have been left behind in Jerusalem now don't want to see the temple rebuilt. So you've got believers and unbelievers. You've got a political mess. You've got uh, you know purposes that are being thwarted. 
legislation that some wants that others don't. I mean, I'm not even going to go any further into that. I think we can relate a little bit to that in some respects, okay? So suffice it to say that when Cyrus allowed the exiles to go back to Jerusalem and even helped provide money and materials to rebuild the temple, there were those in Jerusalem that did not want to see the temple rebuilt, okay? So don't assume a why. Was that your question? Well, because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. So, you know, keep in mind Jerusalem. <laughs> Jerusalem has always been a city of strife, uh, and, and especially even now to this day, right? You've got Orthodox Christians, you've got Jews, and you've got Muslims. And all of them claim a piece or part of Jerusalem. Okay, so it's divided up. I mean, the 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 mount of the of the temple itself is uh, is where Muslims believe that Muhammad ascended into heaven. So that's the what's that called? Temple of the Dome, I think. Don't quote me on that. Dome of the Rock. Thank you. Um, and so all that's left for the you know for the Jews, if you will, is the Western Wailing Wall. You know, that's it. Um, I have not traveled over to the Holy Lands yet. Um, I've talked a lot with other pastors that have. Pastor Lepley, uh, who just uh, uh, actually is now our LCEF vice president for the English district, has taken a lot of trips uh, and uh, done some tours over there. And uh, it, it's, of course, things have changed a lot over the years with uh, uh, sediment, dust, and building. But suffice it to say, Jerusalem's always been under turmoil. And so the main thing for you to understand is that even with the exiles going back to Jerusalem, that was not popular with everybody. <laughs> and uh, and, and that, that could be why Daniel is grieved uh, and worried. Here God is using a pagan, unbelieving king to help rebuild the temple, and even those plans now are being thwarted. Okay? All right. So what does Daniel see in his vision? He sees an angelic figure while standing on the banks of the Tigris River. Okay? Um, this is one of many occurrences of what we would call a theophany, um, manifestation of God. Theo comes from theos, God. Uh, you see the last part of epiphany, okay, which is, is, is revelation, if you will. So theophany is the revelation or appearance of God. So we have a lot of theophanies that occur throughout the Old Testament uh, and New Testament as well. So, um, who is this that Daniel sees? Uh, is it the pre-incarnate Christ? Might be. Scripture doesn't give us great detail on that. Um, is it uh, one of the other archangels? Is it Michael? Gabriel, obviously, has been the one that's been speaking to Daniel, as we've studied throughout the book. Um, so, there's not a, there isn't a name that is given specifically to this angelic figure, but it's really interesting to note what the angelic figure uh, does. Okay, um, In the study Bible, if you have the Lutheran study Bible, is on page 1418, there's a short little Luther quote that is kind of helpful. Luther writes, The 10th chapter is a prologue to the 11th. Yet in it, Daniel writes something special about the angels, the like of which we find nowhere else in Scripture. Namely, that the good angels do battle with the evil angels in defense of men. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Besides Daniel, call, besides, Daniel calls also the evil angels princes. 
as when he speaks of the prince of Greece. And I'll get into that here in a second. Here we may understand why things are so wild and dissolute at the courts of kings and princes, and why they hinder the good and bring on war and unhappiness. For there are devils there, hounding and goading, or hindering to such an extent that nothing goes as it should. One of the challenges for us as Christians today is to not recognize the spiritual warfare that Scripture speaks of. Okay? Uh, there are still to this day um, battles, if you will, being fought between good angels and evil angels that we know nothing about nor see. Uh, scripture speaks quite a bit about the fact that each of us, as a believer in Christ, as one whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, sealed on the forehead, okay? So we would say, you know, believe. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, right? He who does not believe shall be condemned. So all those who have faith, um, God sends an angel to watch over and protect. Scripture tells us as well that uh, uh, angels especially care for the little ones, okay, the young children, okay? But all of us have guardian angels. Um, we, we aren't told that we will see them. We might entertain them unawares, okay? And maybe entertain might be just make them laugh at the stupid things we do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they're around. Um, and what we learn here in Daniel chapter 10 is there is a spiritual battle that is going on that Daniel is... is is made aware of, but he's not given any other detail. Okay, um, and let, let's let's dive a little bit more uh, into that. Uh, let's go to um, back to the theophany. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel chapter one, and then we're going to go to Revelation chapter one because the language here of what Daniel sees uh, is very similar to other theophanies that appear in Scripture. Okay, so let's go to Ezekiel chapter one. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Chebar Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chebar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Okay? And we're not going to go too far here, just go a few more verses. As I looked... Behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, fire flashing forth, in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance. They had a human likeness. Got it? Um, but each had four faces, each of them had four wings, their legs were straight, soles of their feet, soles of a calf's foot, right? It's like something off the sci-fi channel or some of the crazy Netflix and Amazon shows that some of you watch. Uh, under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. They had faces, da-da-da. Just scroll on down just a little bit more. Uh, we won't go too much more, okay? Um, and they darted to and fro. As I looked, I saw a wheel. Yeah, you could read more about this, okay? Go to Revelation chapter 1. I don't want to get too belabored into sometimes all these other Appearances can get a little confusing, but this is theophany. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to John to show to his servants the things that must take place, made known by sending his angel to his servant John. Okay, 
Um, and then it goes on down. So an angel speaks to John, and John goes into some detail. We're going to study Revelation here uh, after we're done with Daniel. So I don't want to I don't want to take too much away from that. But the point is that throughout Scripture, God sends messengers, Malachi, okay, Angelos, angels, uh, to speak to people, okay. Um, he did that in the past. He doesn't promise to do that for us today. Um, in the past, God spoke to the Father, uh, or, uh, spoke uh, through the prophets. Now in these last days, he's spoken through his Son. And so what do we have? How does God speak to us now? Through Scripture. Got it? So in the past, he spoke in this way, but there's no promise that he will, will do that still today. Could he? Of course he could. He's God. Okay? Um, but so we stand firm. What do we know what God has to say? We turn to Scripture. How do we know heaven is real because somebody had an after-death experience or saw something or learned something? No, no, we know it's real because Scripture tells us. Got it? So that's a little different, you know, uh, with some <laughs> Christians who would seek after, uh, kind of like uh, Jews look for uh, miraculous signs and, uh, and Greeks uh, seek uh, uh, sophists, seek wisdom, uh, but we preach Christ crucified, okay? So it always for us comes back to Scripture, okay? All right, let me roll through uh, my notes here. So this angel, we're told, is helped by Michael, uh, we hear about. Um, so it might be Gabriel, uh, who's been Daniel's guide. Um, the angel here, though, possibly pre-incarnate Jesus, assures Daniel that his prayers have been heard. Okay, So one of the things that the messengers of God always bring is a message of comfort. And so we heard the words there later on, peace be with you. They're the words that Jesus uses after his resurrection again and again and again, which is why that's one of the most common greetings for us as Christians. So if I send you an email or I you know, talk on the phone, you might hear me simply say, peace be with you. And you're like, oh, um, uh, um, um, what do you say? Say, and with thy spirit, or and also with you, or just say amen. <laughs> okay? But it's a common greeting. It's a greeting of faith. Um, it's a greeting that the, the Lord is yet with us. Okay. So the angels come to bring peace, they come to bring uh, comfort. Um, this angel, this man, possibly the pre-incarnate Christ, has, quote, been fighting the prince and the kingdom of Persia. Okay. So we're probably talking here about um, Antiochus. Um, we have a lot of references throughout Scripture to uh, the Antichrist, which is simply one who uh, is against God's chosen uh, or stands against God's word, okay? Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in detail uh, when we get into uh, Revelation. Um, there are marks of the Antichrist, um, and before I go further with that, let, let, let's go back here to this, uh, this word prince. So look at verse 20, 10 verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. So this prince uh, in Hebrew is the word sar. That doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but this is now um, an angel who has been appointed to guard and watch over. Okay? So we know from the rest of Scripture that God has not only appointed angels to watch over people, 
He's also appointed angels, you ready for this? To watch over nations and countries. Okay? Which leads you to the next question, because what happened in heaven? Some of the angels fell away. They rejected God. Okay? Where did they go? They were cast down to earth. Are they still around? Yes. Are they going to work to cause chaos and turmoil? Yes. That's the spiritual battle that is still taking place that none of us ever see. So you hear of bad things that happen in the world. The first thing we're quick to do is normally blame an elected leader or fill in the blank, usually an actual person, you know, uh, nation, country, administration, that sort of thing. And what I'm telling you from Scripture, what Scripture is teaching us, is that there's a spiritual side of this that we fail to recognize, that there are actually evil, fallen angels that are working behind the scenes. Now, what's the good news for you? There are yet the good angels, okay, who are doing what? What are they doing? They're fighting battles. And you never see this. We don't, we don't see this. I mean, I, I'm not sure that we could handle everything that we probably drive by or would see, <laughs> okay? I mean, you, you think of crazy, horrible, stupid stuff. Let's not even talk about the whole capital thing last week. Just ridiculous. Um, and, and, uh, and, I mean, there are angels still there, okay? So you need to have, one, some hope and comfort of knowing that God is well aware of what our nation and our country is going through, and also what you individually are experiencing in your life. And that he also has help and support for you that you probably will never see or realize or understand until perhaps you get to heaven. Maybe God will, you know, provide. There'll be like a, a, a DVD or something of like our life, and we can look back, oh, wow, that's why that happened, you know. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, there, there's, there's that going on. Uh, go to Revelation 1, verse 20 real quick. I just want to support some of what I'm telling you from Scripture so you don't think this is coming from crazy Pastor McKay brain. So as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand, the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So they're angels now that are appointed for these churches that John is talking about in Revelation. So we'll get back and talk to that, but we've got some evidence that there are angels who watch over God has appointed for these various places. Okay, uh, go now to um, Matthew 18, verse 10. We get a little word from Jesus here. Okay, see that you not despise one of these little ones. Uh, the word there in Greek, I think, is padaya. Padaya means a child that is small enough to be bounced on the knee. So we're probably talking two, three, or younger. Okay, uh, for I tell you that in heaven. They're angels, they're possessive, so these little ones have angels, always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So what are the words of, of comfort that Jesus gives? One, recognize that little children can have faith. Two, as Jesus says elsewhere, they're actually able to sin, okay, so the whole accountability thing gets thrown out the window, okay, because we're born sinful, uh, faith comes from hearing the word, through baptism, but God appoints now angels to watch over uh, for, for, for these. Okay, any questions on that? Anything that's coming through? 
Okay, we're good. All right, let's, let's move on then. Um, so there are patrons, that, that's kind of the other word for translation, patrons or angels that are over the nations. Let's go to one more place in Scripture. Go to Psalm 82. Psalm 82 makes reference to evil patrons or evil angels. So they would be those perhaps that maybe they had been assigned and then um, that was kind of their role, they fell away, uh, or they ended up attaching themselves because of uh, unbelief and because of faith. Uh, let's see here. God has taken his place in the divine council. So there's divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Uh, how long will you judge unjustly, so protect, give justice to the weak, the fatherless, rescue the weak and the needy? Keep going. Uh, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. So that's a reference now back to these other, quote, gods, those who would set them up, you know, as leaders or rulers. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. So these would be reference to these other patrons or evil angels. I said, you are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Okay? So what's happened now? These angels that God had put in place to watch over and protect fell away, and they will now set themselves up uh, to lead, to be as gods, and to do that. Okay? So this is also to be understood as the work of the Antichrist. Okay, and those who would do that. Okay, arise, O God, judge the earth. You shall inherit all the nations. Singular, uh, you. There will be one again, and for us, that's Christ. Ascends into heaven, as we confess in the creed. Sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ has conquered now all these angels and the devil. That battle is done, but for whatever reason, God in his in his wisdom still allows them to cause turmoil and havoc, right? Okay, um, but they cannot snatch you out of his hand, okay? And there will come a time where there will be that complete, you know, separation where this, this strife will end. These are the last days that we live in, okay? And we have issues with that sometimes as Christians. We're like, well, if Jesus conquered the devil, why is he letting them, you know, why, why do good people, why do bad things happen to good people? And we kind of fall into all that, okay? Um, God has his reasons. Um, could be because uh, there are those that he wants to yet come to faith, those who he has appointed, he has a plan. And this is part of us accepting God's will rather than imposing our own understanding of history itself, Okay. All right, uh, one more reference here to uh, this concept of a prince or chief prince. Go to Jude chapter 9. Jude chapter 9. Okay. Yeah, there's no, there, no, 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 go down. There's no chapters in Jude. Okay, uh, yet in like manner, these people also rely on, relying on their dreams. Okay, so we're, we're, we're warned about this through Scripture. Don't rely on your dreams. Don't rely on visions. Okay? Now, if you want to do a fun study of the Roman Catholic Church, see how many things have been built on people's personal visions. That's a fun study. When Scripture does what? Warns us against, against that. Yet in like manner, these people, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemy judgment, but said, 
the Lord rebuke you. Okay? I've referenced this passage before, so when we see Elijah and Moses at the Mount of Transfiguration that's coming up in our church year, you know, one of the questions is, well, you know, how is Moses able to appear? We know Elijah went up into heaven in the midst of a fiery chariot and horses. You know, Moses, well, it's quite possible Moses' body was taken to heaven because of this text. We don't know for sure, okay? But Michael contends with the devil over what? The body of Moses. And keep in mind, Moses was buried uh, by God himself. And only God knew where he buried Moses, okay? I suppose God could have cremated Moses and put his own, or, you know, remains in an urn and all that stuff, but he buried him. Scripture says that, buried him in the ground, okay? If it's good enough for Moses and Jesus, burial on the ground is good enough for me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but uh, so here Michael comes and contends. Um, and so, okay, so we've got the concept of these, these uh, the glorious ones, the angels, um, so there are, there are those along with the devil who would uh, contradict God's word. Okay, any questions on that? Okay. Um, one more scripture text. Actually, I've got a couple. Go to Ephesians 6 verse 12. So what I want you to see, Daniel has been one of the most contested books of the Bible by historical critics. And as I've told you from the get-go of this study, I think Daniel is a very important book. Luther believed that as well, and that we need to study it. Um, and so the reason, again, we use Scripture to interpret Scripture is we see that what's going on in Daniel coincides with everything else that we learn, and it's of, it's of great comfort. So Ephesians 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle, why don't you read this with me? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. <laughs> now that kind of sums up, uh, and I think reaffirms a little bit of what you've learned here today. And then, of course, we have the great text that occurs after that, the whole armor of God, right? So take it up. Uh, this is what God gives to you. This is why you need word, why you need sacrament, um, you know, the righteousness that Christ clothes you with in your baptism is an amazing armor. And that's why in Luther's small catechism, when we talk about baptism, you know, what benefits does baptism give? Do you remember? Works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and does what? Gives eternal salvation to all who believe. Okay? Those are pretty amazing promises. Um, and so, again, we put all that together, and that's why we extol it, we talk about it, we do it, um, because there's also uh, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That's happening right now. Okay? Uh, do I believe that there are cosmic, dark, evil angels at work in our nation and country? Yes, I do. And you know what? They've always been there. But what else do I take hope in? That God also sends good, good angels, good spiritual authorities to do battle with that. Okay, um, And he might give us an exile. We might be exiled in various ways. Right? Christianity is certainly under attack. Marriage and family, if you heard my sermon this morning, it's under attack. And all those things, to be fair, have been under attack since the fall. 
Okay, and things in history, you know, sometimes you get really good times, you know, where you talk with your, your grandparents or your great-grandparents, none of mine are alive anymore, but, oh, back in the day, things are good, everybody went to church on Sunday, it was all, you know, so be careful of the represtination, because even though there might have been some good things there, there were a lot of other things that weren't so good. So, I, I'm not convinced that things are as bad now as some people believe they are historically. I think we've come through darker times, not only as America, but as civilization we are than we are in now. Could that change? It sure could. Absolutely. But where is my faith and where is my hope? That God yet has a plan for history and for you and me that trumps all that. Okay? That's what Daniel held on to his whole lifetime while he was exiled in Babylon. He's surrounded by unbelief and faith. He's serving unbelieving pagan kings. And does he remain faithful? Yes, he does. He continued to pray, read scripture? Yes, he does. And not just him, but there were others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? The wise men that came to visit baby Jesus came from the east. Where do most conservative scholars think they came from? Babylon. Okay? Don't know for sure. And we don't even know how many wise men, by the way. We always have three in our crash, our, our manger scenes, because we have three gifts. It could have only been two. It could have been 20 or 30. We honestly don't know. Okay? So I, I, one year when, I, when the kids were little, I thought it would be kind of funny to try and find a whole bunch of extra wise men and put them around or maybe just take the third one away. I didn't do that because the kids were pretty little. They'd be like, what? There's three, right? We three kings of Orient are, right? Okay. Okay, um, yeah, I said something to the preschoolers about that, and boy, they thought I was just nuts. Yeah, we, we were looking, one of the classes came up, we had chapel this week, and they went up, we still had the creche up front, and of course, preschoolers were like, why is the church still decorated? It's not Christmas anymore. Like, well, Pastor Grady and I were sick, and we haven't taken it down yet, and so then they said, well, can we go up and look at it? And our, our little creche, our manger scene that we use each year is actually was handmade and given to Pastor Feeney as a gift. Uh, from Russia. Um, so it's a hand-carved set. It's really neat. So the preschoolers are coming up there, sorry for the sidebar, and they're looking at the, you know, the manger scene, you know, and oh, that, that's, a, that's a sheep, you know, and oh, that's baby Jesus, you know, and, and then that's a wise man. And then one little boy said, there were three wise men. <laughs> and I made the mistake of saying, well, we don't know how many there were. He goes, no, 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 there were three because there were three gifts. So I wasn't going to argue with a, a five-year-old, you know, so... Uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll get him when he's 10 or 12. Uh, it might have been three. Uh, we just don't know. Scripture doesn't say. Okay. Okay, let's move on a little bit. So things are decided in the heavenly places. There's a battle that's going on. Um, go to 2 Kings 6, verse 16. Sorry for this walk through Scripture, but th- this really helps us understand what Daniel is being told about what's going on, and I think for us as well in our time, okay? Um, uh, Go back up just a little bit. Okay, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Okay? Those who are with us. Now, we know from this account that this isn't the physical numbers of those who are gathered there, they're a minority. Who are those that these believers 
think that are with them. Standing angels. Okay? So this is something you can also take comfort in. Um, I've had plenty of times where I, I don't know for sure, but I felt like I was in the presence of evil. I mean, hair stands up on the back of my neck or your arm, or you just get this unsettling feeling. Um, and, you know, wow. Okay? What can you do at that time and place? And I've counseled this before. One, call on God's name and say it out loud because the devil and evil spirits can't read your mind. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, speak God's name. Confess your faith, the Apostles' Creed. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Um, so we do battle with what? With God's Word. Okay? Same thing for little kids that have night terrors. You know, I mean, Scripture tells us that, you know, things happen in the dark and that, that that's a very real time of spiritual dark activity. Dr. John Kleinig has done a lot of work uh, on spiritual warfare, and he's got some really good stuff on that. So if you need any resources, I'll gladly share some of that with you. Um, you know, but, but he counsels even with kids who have, you know, nightmares and visions and that sort of thing. Um, what should the parents do? Speak God's name. Certainly say a prayer. Speak God's word. Let God do his work. Now, what else can you take comfort in, you personally or for your children or others? Who also is around you and with you? Angels to watch over and protect. Okay, um, so that's a that's that's a you know uh, inter, good the good things there from Scripture. Okay, um, let's go to ten verse twenty one uh, there in Daniel. <clears throat> so this angel or the pre-incarnate Jesus that is talking to Daniel, um, do you know why I've come to you? Verse twenty. Now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. Uh, so there, there's, there, there's, there, there's a, a prince who is not good, but there will be another prince that will come. So prince can have two meanings. It can be angel, spiritual. It also can be an earthly uh, figure of authority. We know that God uses people uh, in that way. Okay, And uh, here in 21, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. Okay, So this book of truth, um, the, the literal... The best translation, um, you know, we, we would have book of life, which we have that occurs in Revelation, but the best understanding for us is this. The book of truth is the history that God has predetermined. Now, this gets people kind of anxious because especially in our postmodern world, we want to believe that we are in the driver's seat, okay? But... I would submit to you, Scripture doesn't speak that way. <laughs> that God knows what's going to happen in history, certainly gives us some uh, freedom of will to make some decisions, but God, knowing all these things, puts a plan in place. So for early service people, riddle yourself this. Why did Jesus wait 30 years to perform his first miracle? If Jesus was literally the Son of God, as we believe, and walking on the earth, that seems like a lot of time to have passed where he could have been healing and helping people and doing amazing things, right? I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. But we're told that Jesus was not only born, but he did everything according to 
God's plan. Okay? This would be the book of truth, of God's will, which is why Jesus prays, thy will be done in the Garden of Gethsemane. Does he want to suffer and die? Who would? Does he want to be ridiculed, mocked, scorned? No human would want that. Okay? If you are, you need to come see me and the doctor. But, Father, take this cup from me. But, what does Jesus pray in complete faith? Thy will be done. So he trusts God's plan, and that's where you and I have to trust as well, that God has a plan, knows your needs, and will provide for you. Now to back this up, we're going to take a little walk through Scripture real quick. We're not going to get as far as I wanted to go on something else today, but that's okay. Let's go to Malachi 3, verse 16. Three references, and then we'll close for today. Okay, Malachi 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance, and this would be reference here to the same book of truth from Daniel, was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who loves God and one who does not serve him. Uh, Go to Psalm 139, verse 16. Another great passage. This, this, this for me is what's so fun with Bible study, is, is connecting the concepts, the phrases, and the words. So Psalm 139, verse 16, go down to 16, please. Okay. Um, your eyes, you know this one, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, what? What was written in the book? Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has days planned for you and formed for you. That does not make you some sort of a Pinocchio puppet. This should be of great comfort for the Christian. The Lord knows what your death will be. You cannot, you ready for this, prolong or extend your life if you so choose, beyond what God has planned. Now, you should be a good steward of your body. You should be healthy and take care of what God has given you. Okay? Um, It's like we talked about with the COVID thing, you know. Well, my days are written, so if there's COVID out on the lamp pole, I'm going to go lick the lamp pole, and if I get it, I get it, and I don't, I don't. Well, that's stupid. Okay, why? Because God says to take care and preserve and protect. But at the same time, your life is literally written. He knows how old you're going to be when you die. He knows your manner of death. Okay, he's got good things planned for you, and it's going to be good. Okay, and that's a, that's a great promise. This is why we get so bent out of shape with where our country and our culture is with killing unborn children in the womb. These children that are not given an opportunity to live. We make a big deal out about killing a nest of eagle's eggs or whales or dolphins. But we'll kill our unborn children? It's ridiculous. They they have the right to life. They should have more right to life than eagles or dolphins. I'm getting all fired up, sorry. But this is how Scripture speaks. One more verse. Go to Revelation 5 verse 1. 
Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Okay. And so this scroll, this book of truth, and as we'll learn from Revelation, the one who's worthy now, who's in charge of all this, is, is Christ, is the Lamb of God, Okay, uh, who's in charge of all things. Okay, We're going to stop there for today because we're out of time. Um, next week, I want to pick up just a little bit on what's going on at Daniel's time with a man by the name of Antiochus and the connection here to the evil princes, which leads us to the Antichrist. Okay, uh, and We're going to talk about that. Um, there's some good stuff in our Lutheran confessions. So uh, next week, I want to just look a little bit on treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope. And as Luther and other reformers before him recognize that, hey, there are those even within the church who will claim things that are contrary to Scripture, and so we mark and avoid that, okay? Um, and just as, as Daniel was warned about that as well. But that's enough for today. Um, any lingering questions or comments? Okay? So you need to know this week, okay? And my brother called me, by the way, and said, hey, you got your propane tanks full? Is your gas tank full? You got enough water at home? You got enough food for a week? Because things could get really ugly this week. And I, I said, we kind of have some of that. Um, I hope things don't get ugly. Um, you know, um, am I concerned and a little worried for our nation? Yes, I am. But what do I also trust? That God will yet preserve me and my household of faith. I, I will take certainly what precautions I need, but I'm not going to live in fear and despair and worry. Okay? Uh, nor should you. Okay? Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Christus Victor. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Peace be with you. Amen.